Pastor David Berge, co-host of your favorite podcast, or at least the podcast you are currently listening to, Like Trees Walking. This and I am uh, joined this fabulous day by none other than Michael, Mikey, MJ, Nelson. Do you have any, uh, oh, what is your nickname? What's your nickname? Mad Dog. Mad Dog. None other than Mad Dog Nelson. El Perro Loco. <laughs> Here on yeah. Like Trees Walking. Mike, how are was, you? I'm good. That was quite a downgrade from your favorite podcast to the podcast <laughs> to which you are currently listening. <laughs> Can't get us on that one. It is true. <laughs> it's technically true. So, Mike, this is Like Trees Walking, where we do what? Well, we talk about big issues of life, um, everything, the, the meaning of the meaning of life, the meaning of existence. Is there a God? What does he think of us? What do we think of him? Mm-hmm. What is philosophy? How to think? Um, why is there something rather than nothing? Um, dogs better than cats? Ooh, uh, ooh, 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 ooh. Little, little tease. Little tease. Little tease. Yes. And we do it from an unabashedly Christian perspective, however... This is meant to be an open discussion for anyone to listen to. We don't we don't particularly discriminate against any point of view. We would prefer you not be a full out Nazi or uh, <laughs> that's definitely Satanist, but, highly preferable. Um, but uh, yeah, we we just want to have these open discussions, stuff to think about, stuff that I like to say that we all have to wrestle with, no matter what your worldview is. We all are stuck with this as they say. And so uh, just how to think about it and how to think about thinking and how to uh, convey those thoughts to other people. That's right. That's, about, my, that's the long version. I love it. I love yeah. the long version. Thinking yeah. about thinking about thinking about thinking. But no, yeah, so uh, in our last episode where we were just thinking about the, the examples we use for uh, the most evil person you can think of and why mm-hmm. do we think like that's a that's a, you might not say that's a deep question. I think it's a deep and it's a fascinating question. And it's one that you could have. Think about you're you're having friends over for dinner. You're after dinner at this point, so you're sated, and you're you know you're you're on your uh, third uh, white claw. And <laughs> I've got a good picture of these people now. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so you know, why do people say? Why do people always go to Hitler? You why do they always say he's you know. So but this is just I think an interesting thing to think about. Uh, to say to defend my, my my apologia for our last episode, why this is interesting to talk about because what we consider evil or who we consider the most evil, I think that falls in the category of the big questions. It certainly does, and it, it, I think would if you asked that at that dinner party, assuming you're not too deep into the white claws, you would probably learn something about maybe your own thoughts and the thoughts of others around you, and that's what we try to do every week. And we, uh, we you know, we it's a, a lighthearted thing, so we'll we'll talk about this big thing. Some are bigger than others. Some are more weighty than others. Mm-hmm. Um, this one probably falls somewhere in between. But then later we will... Um, I don't know what we're going to do today. We're going to figure it out for something. This is, uh, I know what we're going to do. This okay. is a lighthearted romp. Oh, uh, we, we teased it last about. episode. We teased it last exactly. episode. All right. You want to tease it again? Ed, we're going to talk about... Uh, it kind of explain that... It's not the same as exactly explaining a meme, but explain that term or phrase. I, I had to look it up. Edgelord. Like not four days ago. Edge so we'll talk about that. Uh, I feel like I just became aware of it in the last. I don't want to put two years. Might be being too generous to myself saying when I like discovered that term for sure in the last eighteen months. I became aware of this term, right. a new term to me that I did not know before. That I think is a very useful one. All right, so we'll do that uh, in the second half very briefly. But uh, right now, uh, bring bring the big one to the table. All right, here's what this is. A uh, this is again. I think this would be good. 
at a cocktail party, at a, at, a, at a dinner party, as we're thinking about things. And one of the reasons that it came into my mind, I'm trying to think of why I thought of this, and there's a simple explanation to lead us in. And recently, my, my family has come into the, has become caretakers of a cat. We were not cat. In fact, I've never had a pet before in not my life. None? Never. I mean, goldfish, I, beta fish or goldfish or something. Or, oh, okay. I had a hamster too, so that's a lie. Uh, but not like yeah. a real classic pet. I had llamas. Oh, you know. I, <laughs> suddenly we learned you had tons of pets. Uh, I had a pet rat, too. So, no, actually. Okay, but this is my first uh, uh, socially, like, legitimate pet, which I guess is basically a cat or dog. You know, in, in foray into the uh, into the conventional realm of, 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 of pet keeping. Did so, you consider a snake at all? No, I have a great... Uh, Tarantula? I, I have a very. I had a college roommate with a snake, oh, God. and this guy was a real piece of work. Let me tell you. If my wife is listening to this, she's immediately just like, uh, "This is brought flashbacks of some very negative memories of just being around this person." He was a snake guy. Person with a snake, yeah. But if you're out there and you own a snake, I'm sure you're a great, fine person. Yeah. But this guy was a creep. Anyways. I, very briefly, I I once I have a colleague who he has a swimming pool. He lives in San Diego. And I saw a, a little clip of capybaras, you know, the giant yeah. Oh, yeah, South the, American yes. rats. But they're, they're not rats. They have no little ropey, gross tail. They have these cute little muzzles, and they sit and they chirp. They're extremely gentle. They just eat vegetation. And people keep them as pets. Yes. But you have to have a pool. So Why? So I showed a clip of these to this guy, and I said, because they are water-dwelling. Okay. And I'm like, you could have capybaras. And he, you know, first he laughs. I'm like, look at how cute they are. And I did the little hard sell on him. And then, like, a couple days later, I saw his wife. And she's like, listen, you, <laughs> you shut up about Capoeira. <laughs> he was actually looking up where to buy them. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> on uh, another Capoeira story, Mike, on Co- we were uh, at Coney Island, you know, famous. Yeah. Brooklyn, uh, you know, amusement park, and uh, did not ride the whatever the roller coaster is called. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, and it was a cold day at Coney Island. Not much was open, but we did pay a dollar to look at so, you know some of the freak show stuff. The only freak show thing we looked at was the giant rat, and it was just a, it was just a adorable cap- capybara, <laughs> just this amazingly cute capybara. Yeah. So you go through the people and just look at a capybara. <laughs> oh, where, where did they keep it? They had to have the water. For it. <laughs> There's a whole ocean right there. I don't know, you know. Salt water? Uh, I think they're fresh water. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, capybara experts. Anyway, all right. All right. Anyways, track. anyways. So, anyways, we we came into the custody of a cat because I was at church. It's very cold in Minnesota, some people may know, and our nation just recently experienced, depending on when you're listening to this, in the winter of 2021, there was a massive cold spell. Not unusual for Minnesota, but we got hit with our blast of negative weather. I went into work one day at the church, and a cat followed me. In like this is very. I saw a cat. I said, "Oh, there's a cat on the street." You know, like nothing. Don't even think twice. This cat followed me, which is weird, and it, it followed me into the church, which is very weird, right? And so I thought. So I did my internet research, and I did not, you know, next door, and I ended up finding out that the people were posting constantly for months about this cat and who owns this cat and why is this cat oh, who always, owns it not yeah. where is our cat no it was always like who owns this cat why is this cat always out oh, walking wow. around okay. um and so long story short i'm at church this cat and you know it's following me and i'm like okay i get i gave it some water and uh then i put it back outside because i'm like it'll go home wherever it's home is. come back five minutes later cat is just sitting there mewing wanting in hmm. 
my heart as I can't just leave. It's going to get cold. Like it's going to get deathly cold, Mike. I'm very worried about this cat. So I come and there's actually a, a pet food supply and like pet supply and food store near the church. I buy a litter box, litter, wow. cat food, and a little carrier. Is this pre-consultation with uh, This is before I have, Amy? I have not consulted with... I mean, Amy and I had texted back and forth. And she loves cats. Oh, okay. She had All one right. growing up. So I knew that this was not like a... This would not be like a controversial move. I bring the cat home. Wow. Question. Yeah. Are you certain it's not a witch? <laughs> Following you? No. Okay, you're not I'm certain. I'm not certain. All right. But uh, unlikely. Uh, less, you know how it's like more likely than not we're living in a sim- simulation? Yes. More likely than not, not a witch. Okay. But uh, so anyways, I bring this cat into my house, uh, and we're taking care of it. And if it ends up having an owner, of course, you know, we'll return this cat. Uh, the cat is taken to the house very nicely. Uh, also likes to go out and about, too. But uh, the cat is, so we're, we're just taking care of this cat during the cold so it didn't die. And it was not, it was in an area when I did my research, too, where it had never gone, it had never strayed that far. It was far from home. It was many, 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 many blocks away from home. This was weird. And just that a cat would follow me. Strange. So anyways, I'm taking care of this cat. That got me to thinking about this question, Mike, and just thinking about, you know, when you, when you think about the big questions of, like, the universe and you're contemplating, um, kind of, like, thinking about the limits of what a human being could understand just based on the reality of our are fine like we have brains but those brains are only a certain size and they're only capable of like knowing certain things and i was thinking of this cat and i was thinking i as as hard as i could ever try i could never teach this cat trigonometry right this could be the smartest cat in the world but it's just naturally limited in its capacity to know certain and understand certain things certainly you know, I mean, that that's a true statement, right? Yeah. It's never going to know sine, cosine, tangent. So people know trigonometry. They know Sokotoa. You remember Sokotoa, Mike? No. Well, it's like, that's how you remember. It's a, it's a, uh, a mnemonic device, yes. right? Yes. 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 Well, I don't remember. What is it? Sine is the opposite over the hypotenuse. Uh, cosine is the adjacent over the hypotenuse. Toa is tangent is opposite over adjacent. I think I got that right. And what is the order of operations <laughs> mnemonic? What's that one? Oh, I can't remember. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember that one. All right. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, uh, the quadratic formula, uh, whatever. Okay. Anyways, so, the, you know, the cat can never know this. We can, That's true. The cat can never know this. So I thought, oh, so I take this Unless cat. it's a witch. <laughs> just, you didn't rule it out completely. More likely than not. <laughs> More likely than not, not a witch. But if it is a witch, it could understand these yeah. things. Okay. In which case, my right. efforts to teach it trigonometry are not made. So I thought, well, let's take this cat, okay? And then let's just apply that same notion to human beings. Are there limits to the things that we can know and understand about the the universe in which we live? Well, I mean, certainly, right? Because all we have as a yardstick is the smartest person who ever lived. And we didn't ask that person, hey, could you tell us what it's like to be smarter than me? Yeah. Uh, that that's our yardstick. And I have to assume that that range is kind of like the range of light. Visible light is just a tiny bit of the, the light that is out there. Right. And uh, we just assume that that's all light, but there's obviously all this other light, and we have no ability to see it. We can't ask a scorpion who can see the a different, you know, 
band of light what it's like to know that light so you know to see that light so we can't uh, we can't do anything about it so yeah i mean we're, we're recognized too even, even in relation to the lower creatures right in our they can experience things that we can so just kind of the experiential knowledge we're limited um can't hear you know the dog can hear the the dog whistle we can't hear the dog whistle we don't and the know dogs there's their smell like they, you know, you, you've seen a dog when it gets on a scent. Like mm-hmm. it's there's all this information flooding into his little doggy eyes. He <sighs> he knows a lot about when he's just sticking his nose deep down in that grass. He's got a bunch of information that we're just like what? Not privy to it. Yeah, could never know it. Tell us. Sit down. I'll buy you a white claw. Tell me <laughs> what's going on with that nose of yours. Yeah, we can't. We can't know. We cannot experience it. True. So th- this is even you know creatures who we have the, a cognitive capacity far beyond theirs. But but I just think about the limits of our knowing and understanding. And so when we compare, um, and I think it's sometimes, in a, it's, an easy, it's easy to forget. So if we think of God as um, the intelligence that is, you know, one aspect of God is at least that God's the intelligence behind everything. What, what degree, I mean, it's almost a difference in kind, right, rather than in degree, we could say. And so how kind of, there is a, a hubris on behalf of human beings to think that like, well, we're so, sm-, you know, like, like if there is an infinite intelligence behind the universe, um, which I believe there is, uh, uh, again, folks, unabashedly Christian perspective. Here. Right. Uh, I'm just, that's, I'm just, that's baked in the cake. I'm that's, just bringing it. Pure orthodoxy there. That there is an, an infinite intelligence behind the universe, the kind of hubris uh, that I could bring to think, well, oh, I'm, I'm going to be like all the big questions that I have, not that I shouldn't ask them. But that I'm that I have the cognitive capacity to come up with an answer or an understanding to all of them, you know. Yeah, I saw it analogized this way once by a eh, maybe it was an apologist or maybe it's a philosopher. I don't know. I'm probably going to get roasted on Where, this. One. Whatever. We don't look, guys. One of our things we're committed to in the show is very rarely looking things up. Well, this isn't. I don't think this is a thing you need to look up. It was just a, a similar insight by someone who happened to pass over a giant anthill watched the anthill, watched them going in and going out, and then realized as his shadow came over the ants, it changed their behavior in some way. They stopped like going into the shadow or something. They, it alarmed them in some way. Like I don't know. Did it seem like it was a cloud or something? And so to amuse himself, he would move in and back and forth, in and out of the shadow, and the ants would react accordingly. And he realized, like, is that kind of, you know, the difference between God and, like, the ants think something's happening and it's just him, like, passing his hand over it? Their understanding is so far away, in other words, of what he's what he's doing and what they're reacting to that it's just, the understanding is just light years away. And yeah. then he, that, that was the same thing with the cat, that he thought about that, the limits of our understanding as compared to the being who created all intelligence and has all knowledge. Like, right. And that's where I think the, um, the amazing part about Christianity, one of the amazing aspects of it too, is this, of Christianity is this concept of kenosis, which is like, it's a Greek word that just means emptying that like in, I'm, you just I'm emptied your like own words. intelligence. I did right empty my intelligence. But it's from, uh, it's, I'm thinking of Philippians again, where the Christ him, where, uh, you know, it's, it's, kind of Jesus emptying himself of all of the, you know, attributes and aspects of divinity of being the second person of the tr- Trinity to take on what Paul calls the form of a, of a slave, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like God, um, and this word has negative connotations now, but condescending yes. to us, which just means 
coming down, coming down. to our level. Yeah. Which I don't know. I, can't, I mean, I know why condescending has negative connotations because you're talking down to someone. Yes. That is like when that person is your peer, that's a jerk move. Yes. <laughs> when it's a child, yeah. that can be good. But I think even then it seems as like belittling them. But no, no, no. Condescending in the best possible way. Coming down to someone's level. Like we, we, we condescend when, you know, you're talking to a kid and you, you know, do the old catcher squat. And you're talking to them at, at your level, you're, you're eye to eye. You reduce that distance because you want to relate to them um, on their level. And to think of the God of the universe, the infinite intelligence behind everything, caring so much about us. And this is what I love. One of, there's one of these, I should, this should be another bit sometimes we do. My favorite uh, uh, tweets from the uh, a- atheist memes, but unironically, which is a, which is a Christian account. <laughs> Where it's like all the billion planets in the universe and the God cares about this one. And it's like, you know, this vast galaxy with this arrow pointing to like a tiny little dot somewhere. It's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's my point. That's the point. (laughs) But um, to say that the God of the universe, like infinite intelligence behind the universe would condescend to um, reveal things about himself to us. uh, it, It would be somehow as if I could communicate with my cat something incredibly uh, important and and powerful, uh, and uh, and just how sort of it's one of those just things that kind of blows my mind, Mike. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, it, the child analogy is good. I mean, we all know there's that age at which children become extra curious. Uh, I remember the first time I experienced that. A, a family friends gave me a ride from Wisconsin to Illinois, so six to eight hours, something like that, with a I don't know three year old in the back seat. And I didn't know them that well, but I, you know, I like little kids. I'm getting along, but it, it was just the whole eight hours. Like, what's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is? Why is that thing doing that? And the mother's going like, "That's okay. You don't need to." And I'm like, "No, I got nothing else to do." So I just explained as long as the kid could take it, uh, everything that was happening, you know, and uh, and it went on the full the full time. We all know that experience. Oh, but, I cur- currently living that. Yes. Currently living in that reality, Mike. But nobody, no parent goes, what are you, jerk, you idiot? You don't know that? Come on, man. No, you're a parent. You, you know, there's obviously a limit to your patience with it, but uh, yes, sir. That, is, that is God with us. Like, yeah, I, I know you don't know that, but I'm going to condescend to you. I'm going to, uh, yeah, explain these things to you. Because you're a cat. You are but a cat. You are but Possibly a cat. Possibly a witch. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was just something that made me made me think and i thought of this mike if, if people are longtime listeners to the pod kind of in these just things that make you stop and and pause and think within the ken T- do tigers see ghosts uh episode mm-hmm. one of our great early episodes yes. where mike just was like i was just thinking about this and i want to talk about it so i was just thinking about this with my cat the, the limits to its knowledge and then how that relates to the limits of of human knowledge and understanding and, and how that can lead to some i think uh, what one could call epistemic humility or ep- epistemological humility in the face of a God who is an infinite intelligence behind um, the universe. And and I think sometimes think of God, people think of belief or not in God as something almost like we could match wits with him or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and outthink this God um, or out logic or reason this God's existence or not. And, and we're just cats, man. Yeah. We're just yeah. cats chasing the laser. I'll add this one thing. It's an illustration of, you know, different intelligences and how how that must feel. I heard there's there's a quiz show 
that I like called The Chase, okay. where there's a, a quiz master. They call him the Beast. I think he's like, he's a British guy. He's like six foot eight and weighs, you know, like 380 or something. Just a giant guy, but he wears a little suit and he has a very arrogant attitude because he knows everything. He's a quiz master. But they asked him what, like, his intel, he's a professor of math and, but he just know he remembers everything, right? Uh, eidetic memory, I believe it's called. Anyway, you said when he was a kid, he would see adults struggling with things like, hey, what, what time did you bring that thing over here? Whatever it was, just any kind of fact. And they go, ah, I don't remember. And he, as a kid, would go, how do you not remember yeah. that? And he said it just happened constantly where he'd go, what? He'd look around going, why are you pretending you don't know what that is? So that, how odd to just like remember everything and know facts. And then if they're in his head once, they're just... They're there forever. They're stuck forever. <laughs> yeah. That um, seems like a curse. I think it is. You know that, uh, what's the famous thing where you remember every part of your life you can recall it as it yes. happened there's said to be maybe three people on earth one of them is famously marilou henner who was an actress on taxi and she was one the, of those people she is one of those people i think wow. she's still alive and uh yeah so they'll ask her um where were you on uh, at 3 30 uh, this was a uh, 1987, 3.30 p.m. And she'll go, 1987, 3. That was a Thursday. Uh, uh, I was on a shoot. Uh, I was standing next to the bagels, you know. It's like, that <laughs> just seems oh. like an absolute curse. <laughs> and she said, it is not pleasant. It is not pleasant to have that. Because there's no real practical use to it. No. So you're just kind of stuck with it. And I'm someone who's, you know, I have a great memory. And you I'm, do, yeah, yeah, and I'm, mine is terrible. Yeah, and I'm great at like memor- memorization, excellent. I mean, you know, which is a, a form of intelligence, but it's like, yeah, uh, it's useful for perf- performing on certain uh, instruments. You know, you could say like at school, if you can memorize a table or a bunch of, you know, I've taken tests where I've been able to me- memorize large blocks of text yeah. and reproduce them in such ways that I, I was once accused of cheating. I'd gotten that too. I'm good at remembering uh, when I used to, uh, was in the theater and was doing Shakespeare, I would come in and we'd be at that stage where have act four fully, you know, line perfect. And I'd go in realizing I didn't look at it at all. And then I would just sit for like 10 minutes before rehearsal and get up there and just be line <sighs> perfect on it. I don't know that I could do it anymore, but back then it's like, yeah, I don't know. Back in the day, you were, yeah. a, you were a squishy sponge. Yeah. You know. But I also was accused of cheating at memorizing things or, yeah. But, and you uh, said, how dare you, sir? How dare you? Good day, sir. <laughs> I said good day. My favorite. I'm, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. My favorite is Ben Affleck doing Keith Olbermann. On Saturday Night Live. Oh, was there a lot of good days, sir? <laughs> How dare you, sir? You should resign now. You're the worst person in the world. Sir. <laughs> he does have a bit about a cat in it, which brings it back. He's talking oh. about the condo. He's railing at the worst person in the world, that bit he used to do on his show. And it's the con- It's like the condo co-op board that denied his application because he had a cat. Are you telling me that Mr. Precious Perfect is not welcome in your condominium, sir? This is an outrage. This is a scandal. I demand that you resign today. I love the sir is supposed to somehow soften the rhetoric. <laughs> it's just, it's truly amazing stuff. We'll put a link to it All right. in, the show, in, in the show notes. 
All right, well, ponder that, but don't do it quite yet because you got to listen to the pastor, and then we're going to come back and we're going to explain that phrase. All right? Yes. So that'll be uh, coming up in just a moment. When what up, like <laughs> Mike? <laughs> Folks, I wish you could see Mike Michael J. Nelson cringing when I did that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Like Trees Walk. I know it was very disturbing to him. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. Uh, we appreciate it deeply. So uh, you can always go to Like Trees Walking Pod or LTWPod.com. Um, the episodes are there bios are there. They don't get updated much, but they're humorous and amusing. Uh, and we look the same year after year. Uh, uh, this You can also uh, get uh, go to Light Trees Walking uh, on Facebook or uh, follow at LTWPod on on Twitter.com. Uh, we're not on Clubhouse yet. I haven't got the uh, haven't gotten the invite to that new social media. Mike is completely clueless about this thing. Uh, and and uh, I don't think I'll ever be there. But uh, but we're not on the Clubhouse yet. Uh, so, folks, thank you for listening. If you could rate us and review us, that would be great. Share it uh, if any episode tickles your fancy. So not just the uh, not just the the podcast in general, but if there's any episodes that you find helpful, uh, pass those along to people um, if it deals with a topic that you might think are interesting, or use these podcast uh, for to provide fodder for you at your next cocktail party that you're attending uh, back when we resume life uh, post-pandemic life in the roaring 20s that are ahead of us uh, like trees walking we're gonna be roaring right along with you white claws in hand all right so let's get back to the podcast and let us explain that phrase explain that meme Pastor. Oh, you're more than welcome. We are going to talk about the phrase edgelord. Now, we, as we explained earlier, I think I just looked this up two days ago, although I've heard it and seen it, but there's a certain point where you become, you just become inured to new phrases, and it sounds very internet-y, <laughs> and it, it's like how people, I mean... He's alt-right. Does anyone really even know what that means? It's just a slander. So I assume that edgelord is somewhere along those lines. Um, but, but it does seem I think, to be I think a little more of a term of art. I think edgelord is a term of art. I, okay. think it's a re- I think it describes a very real type, a type of person who is, yes, extremely online, certainly. Let's just start with the word, though. I, I don't like the sound of it. I don't <laughs> like the... Nor do I. Lord... Edge lore. I don't know. It sounds like I want to give it a little smack. I, I think it's doing its work. <laughs> I think it, I think much as it, you hear that and it makes you want to smack something, encountering an edgelord makes you want to smack something. All right. So give me your working understanding of edgelord. And I'm uh, in the meantime, I have uh, Merriam Webster's okay. online dictionary open with an article on edgelord. I'm sure they. They will uh, be around to correct anything you get wrong. <laughs> here's here's my understanding of edgelord. It is a a type of person who goes into a discussion, um, taking extreme, extremely provocative posi- positions, and they take a delight in kind of winding people up in doing that. And how is that different from a troll? Then um, trolls will trolls. I think can just. I think an edgelord is a. Uh, if I were like. All uh, all edge lords are trolls, but 
not I all see. trolls are edgelords, that kind of a thing. It's a subspecies of trolls. Like trolls are just trolls are just trying to bug you. It, it and that doesn't involve taking like extreme positions or whatever, you know. Um or just like yeah, going abs to kind of like there's a uh there's a sort of a shock value in being an edgelord. Uh, what is it? A pate la bourgeoisie? Is that what the the phrase is or the saying? Like, what does that mean? Crate, it's shock the you know shock the shock ah, the bourgeois shock like, the bourgeois shock yes. you know shock their sensibilities. You can't handle this. <laughs> sure, you know it's it's meant to just like um, take it's it's it takes a pleasure and a delight not in bothering somebody but in but in pushing all bounds and conventions to bob to try to bother someone. Let me ask you this. Do you think that uh, that I was an edgelord in this case is that when I was on Twitter, one of the things I used to like to do is just as practice is you, I'd, let's say I'd be eating some celery or something. I'd go, you know, wow, celery's not very good. And then I would just write every joke and insult about celery that I could because it is the most... <laughs> There's no way anyone could have any passion about you this. You did right? this, Mike. I remember you doing with this with tea. I did it. With you tea. went very hard on tea. Necco wafers. Okay. Um, no, that's not really being an edge lord because you're being funny. Now, let's say that, like, this... well, the reactions I got from a lot of people did not assume that I was trying. You're, to These be were funny. jokes. You're a comedian. You're I doing know. bits. I know. I used to when I would respond occasionally. I would say. If you look at my timeline, I have written nothing but jokes. Nothing uh, for the past, you know, seven years. Please take that into account. No, that was that was a bit. So uh, being an edgelord is not a bit. Although I think some comedians, you know, being an edgelord can kind of be like a comedian thing where it's, you know, shock the bourgeois, like kind of take the most, like uh, say the most outlandish thing. And sure. with that, with the arched eyebrow going, eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Bet you didn't think I would say that. Right. Yeah, that's a big... I never like that in comedy. It's like, uh, yeah, I did it. I went ahead and said it. It's like, yeah, we all could say it. It's the restraint that we don't that makes us better comedians than you. You know, we, we thought of ways to make them laugh without that extreme <sighs> position. Nelson. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's the attitude. Um, I'll give you an example from... Uh, Miriam Webster. Oh, please, please. Uh, here we go. The word has taken hold to refer to one who makes wildly dark and exaggerated statements, usually on an internet forum, <laughs> with the intent of shocking others. There is usually a tone of nihilism to such remarks, the kind that might be flagged by a counselor as antisocial behavior. And then there is this tweet from Karen Killigriff. I don't know who this person is. I have is. no idea who that is says, we decided to watch It's a Wonderful Life, and my dad said, every year I wait for Jimmy Stewart to jump off that bridge, but he never does it. Merry Christmas from the original Edge Lord." So he was being the Edge Lord. Oh, there. saying like, I wait him, just do it. Yeah, just jump off the bridge. So uh, I guess that's, there. there's an example of Edge Lord. The original, the original Edge Lord. Is there other examples? <laughs> That's the only one it gives. Um, let's let's find other examples of Edge Lordy. Not too, not too terribly many. I almost dropped my phone. Edge Lord, Edge Lord tweets. Yeah, I think. I mean, Edge. all right. I'll look at those, uh, and I'll look at images. All right, here. Oh, uh, this one says, "What do you think of Belgium?" And this guy tweets back. It deserved what it got. So is that an edgelord? What did it get? Bad COVID? Like, I don't know. What what is that? Uh, that? Okay, this one, I don't know. Does this qualify? 
I don't know why I F tweet anything. I could have the greatest, most original tweet ever, and you stupid F wouldn't give a second thought. That's partly why I F hate everyone. No one gives a F what I have to say. Well, every single one of you can F the F off. Mm. Is that an That's just like being a insane, <laughs> just, an insane person. That's just someone who needs help. All right. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I see some other examples, but they're kind of too involved. Yeah, it'd be like... It's just high-level trolling. Yeah, yeah. And, like, being edgy and being willing to go into some gross stuff. Like, I'd eat that baby. You know, something like that. So it's kind of like the uh, an early version of it would be that uh, the world needs a plague, man, to get rid of everyone. I don't care if I die. We all need to go down. I mean, that's right. That's You're an edgy. edgy. It's edgy. Yeah, you're you're saying things that other people thought of, but they don't have the courage to say. But it's an insult. It's an insult to the that Certainly. type of that type of posting. No one. It doesn't seem like a term that, as of yet, anyone's grabbed onto to say that's right. I'm an edge lord. An edge lord might be like a Shrek tipping a fedora. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shrek beard. There, there can be some Shrek beard. An, an edge lord. It's not. They're not mutually. They don't. You know. They don't overlap on the Venn yeah. diagram. But, or they don't complete. They're they not complete. They're not two circles. It's not, not just involved. a single circle. Yes. It's it's there, but there is some overlap on the Venn okay, diagram. Okay. So the Venn diagram of Shrek beard <laughs> uh, is the uh, what? What else is it called? The uh, the erm guy. The when someone says erm erm, right? That's a making fun of people who correct you on. On uh, whatever Twitter, yeah, whatever. or like the like kind of type actually, you know, actually like yes. typing it out like A K S H, yes, in all caps and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that this is a phenomenon that everyone who I ever know knew who do, did jokes exclusively on Twitter. As soon as you put a joke out there, someone will correct your joke, like very literally, and it's impossible to know whether they're doing it just to. You know, it's impossible because the tone of it is just, you know, well, actually, they didn't do that, you know, and it's like, yeah, that was part of it. That's the joke. But I I had to ask other people, I'm like, do you get that? Because they seem to come in first before anything else. And I mean, obviously, this is years ago because I haven't been on it for a long time. But uh, asking around anecdotally, everyone's like, oh. 100%. 100%. It happens. All You can't do a single joke without someone do you correcting like, your joke. Do you like the joke improvers? The people who kind of kind of join, you know, they kind of join in and keep adding on to the joke and like carrying no, it on. Do you like that? The, one of the reasons I don't uh, <laughs> like the uh, social media, because this is a one-way thing, baby. I'm putting a joke out there. And that's just not what Twitter is. We're not workshopping my joke. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> oh, can I uh, can I tell a joke here? Oh, please. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's and end, I found, end the show with a joke. I will. And uh, leave him wanting more. And uh, Connor actually said that this was uh, something similar was buried in one of his comedy notebooks. Oh, wow. All right. So now I'm excited. Cool, great minds. Connor, a, uh, a writer over at Riff Tracks and a co-host of another podcast with me. So All someone right. who is paid uh, to write jokes and be funny. Professional comedian. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um so i said uh uh i said you know uh i am so sick of just hearing about jd power and his associates they have names people that's a tweet there you go <laughs> that that's the beginning of my type five yeah okay now you you stride around a little you push your sleeves up what else can i tell you about myself uh 
I don't date much. Big surprise. <laughs> and you're off. Yeah. All right. We're going to write you a tight five. That would, that, that would be great. Everyone needs a tight five. We're going to do that as for soon life. as we sign off here. All right. Well, I think that does it. A lot to think about and a lot to chew on, especially <laughs> right. that joke from the pastor who now has to show his face preaching sermons about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> This is Michael J. Nelson. This is David Berge. Thank you for listening. So long, everyone. Bye.